Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. So today we're going to be going over the cards in the Midnight Hunt pre-cons. We've previously gone over the commanders from the main set. And if you check out the Legendary Creature podcast feed, uh, we're going to be talking about the main deck non-legendary cards over there. So definitely check that out. But this episode is all about the new cards and new commanders introduced in the pre-constructed decks. Um, So we're going to be going through these in basically one deck at a time. Um, And we'll start with the commanders from that deck and then go into the main deck cards. Um, But before we jump into all these new cards, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's jump into it. What is the first card from the blue-white spirit precon? The face commander. We're just going to kind of jump right into it. This is Millicent Restless Revenant. So they are a 4-4 spirit soldier for 7 mana, 5 white-blue. But they have the spell costs one generic less to cast for each spirit you control. They have flying. And whenever Millicent or another non-token spirit you control dies or deals combat damage to a player, create a 1-1 white spirit creature token with flying. There's a lot of words there to be like, you get a lot of spirits. This thing's going to make a lot of spirits. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I like how you can... I feel like you could pretty easily curve out and get like a spirit on turn two and maybe two spirits on turn three and then get her down turn four. And then, of course, like in late game, if you're able to really generate a lot of spirits off of some of your, your token generation, it seems like you could really easily negate the command tax. So this is a, a seven mana commander that comes down early and seems like it'd be hard to tax you out of her. Yeah, I'm pretty into this, too. I have really wanted to play just like selfishly like a white blue aggro list for a while and kind of haven't really it's just been on the back burner and not really thinking about it. And Millicent might actually make me do that because you mm-hmm. you can build up your board pretty big and then you just have so many ways to utilize the board. This is not going to be the first time that we mention a lot. <laughs> We're going to mention a few cards a lot of times. There's the, is it Curiosity Crafter, which is the coastal piracy for your tokens? Yes. Um, there's regular coastal piracy. Yep, there's yep. there's a lot of these effects in blue. And then in, in white, you also just have like pretty decent go white effects and stuff. So it, you end up in a really nice place where your hand is refilled, your board is pretty big, and then you even have ways to protect your board, which I think is the coolest part about Spirit. So I don't know if you want to talk about the a bunch of ways to protect your board. Yeah, um, uh, I, I didn't really notice this uh, and, and until Alex Whiteclay pointed out. And of course, Alex Whiteclay, again, uh, contributed to this set review. So thanks again, Alex. But Alex pointed out that there's actually a fair number of spirits that protect you against board wipes. And that is certainly a weakness of Millicent is because you're going wide, because you're committing so many things to the board, one bad board wipe can blow you out. Um, but like Guardian of Faith, recently printed in the uh, Dungeons and Dragons set, that will protect your board by phasing it out. Spell Queller can exile a spell of CMC four or greater, which is most board wipes. Um, Selfless Spirit, of course, sticks around on the board and can give your guys indestructible in a pinch. Um, so there's just a lot of ways 
to protect your your board that sort of naturally fit in with this go wide spirits game plan. That's great. And of course, in a blue color identity, you have lots of counter spells to protect your board with. So seems like this is a, a really good color identity for this type of deck. And I, I think it looks like a really fun commander. One thing I do want to mention, of course, like making more spirits as time goes on and as you connect with your other spirits or your non-token spirits, that's great. But there's a little bit of play here with the fact that it's also a dies trigger. So whenever your non-token spirits die, then you can also get a 1-1 white spirit creature token with flying. So uh, notably, Karmic Guide is a spirit. So if you build in some of those Karmic Guide loops, then you can... uh, just generate infinite spirits and presumably win the game from there. So potential combo finish that that your commander can contribute to. Yeah, I feel like it's the kind of thing that someone might accidentally stumble into in these color identities. Like you have like a Revel Arc, you have your Karmic Guide because it's a spirit and it reanimates some of the cooler big white spirits or something like that. And then all of a sudden you're sitting there looking at your board going like, oh, I have infinite <laughs> spirits to attack everyone with now so um yeah just a a pretty cool spirit tribal design like this is i hope just going to be the card that is the the mainstay for this this tribe for a while because it it's powerful it's cool um and it lets you play with a ton of these spirit tribal cards in a way where you feel like you're actually like contributing to the game where I think people playing like Geist of St. Traft spirits, which, which I've seen people do before, and, and other white-blue spirits that just happen to be spirits, like... Brago. Kinda, yeah, Brago. It, it just kind of... It feels like it's just kind of tacked on. Uh, where this, it feels like you're like... It's the it's the meat and potatoes. It's the main course, you know? like mm-hmm. I, I like that about this card a lot. Uh, well, with that, I think we can move on to the next commander in this pre-con. It is Donal, Herald of Wings. It's two blue-blue for a 3-3 legendary creature human wizard. Whenever you cast a non-legendary creature spell with flying, you may copy it, except the copy is a 1-1 spirit in addition to its other types. Do this only once each turn. So, very interesting. Yeah, this this is like a rad design. <laughs> I really am into this card. This is a, a good use of the once each turn, because um, if it did not have that rider, you could just take a palancron and kind of go yeah. to town. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, yeah, that being said, uh, there is one combo that works pretty well with this commander, and that's um, if you have a mirror mad phantasm and cast it and copy it, and then you shuffle in the copy, you're not going to be able to find it again. So you can just mill your library in one go. And then, uh, I don't know, try to find a way to win from there. Maybe Thassa's Oracle or a lab band can help you out. Yeah, there's a few few avenues to take at that point. So I think that's pretty cool. Just the sheer number of good creatures with flying to copy just as like value plays is pretty mind-blowing. If you think about blue cards that kind of make your opponents groan, you got like Gilded Drake, um, Nowadays, you got like thieving skydivers. Um, you got uh, mold drifters. So if you evoke your mold drifter, you get a one one that sticks around, and you drew four cards, which is uh, that seems pretty good to me. You know, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm pretty into this. It it seems like a lot of fun. There's a lot of cool spells that getting little extra copies of is really good. And then 
there's just some more of the same cards that we can, <laughs> that we're going to mention this card multiple times for this deck right here, the Curiosity Crafter. Oh yes, so Curiosity Crafter again. That's the uh, the Coastal Piracy, but for tokens. So basically, you're probably only going to have half your creatures that are tokens, but you'll have two Curiosity Crafters. So it kind of just works out. It's kind of a wash. It's basically yeah. just like a coastal piracy at that point. Seems good enough to me. And of course, it is worth noting that um, although this is a once per turn trigger, if you happen to have a lot of creatures with flash and flying, then you can potentially get it multiple times during a round of turns. So keep that in mind as you're building your Donal deck. Yes. Um which is actually the last thing I was going to say is that oh. because it's once per turn, uh, Flash is especially good. So your Vidakanoris, your Leyline of Anticipations, all the typical blue Flash spells that are very good are also very good here. So nope, not really a surprise. Kind of nice that it works with your commander in this instance. Yeah, so I, I just want to preface this next one. So this next duo of cards is, I think, a signifier that we're just going to see this mechanic that in these kind of pre-cons whenever they think it's appropriate because this mm-hmm. next duo of cards is using the partner with mechanic. So uh, I'm going to read both of them and then we'll, we'll we'll talk about them both. So the first one is Rhoda Geist Avenger. Rhoda is a 3-3 three, three human soldier for four mana, three and a white. They have partner with Timon Youthful Geist. So we'll get to Timon in a bit. They have Vigilance. And whenever a creature an opponent controls becomes tapped, if it isn't being declared as an attacker, put a plus one, plus one counter on Rhoda. So, okay, it's like a Gideon's Avenger or whatever. Timon Youthful Geist is a 3-4 spirit for five mana, four and a blue. They have flying. And at the beginning of each combat, tap up to one target creature. So, kind of a lot. Let's, Let's get into this. How do you... How do you feel about this duo? So I actually like Timon a fair bit. Um, just I've really liked the Dragon's Mode of Citadel Siege, which is essentially that same line of text that at the beginning of com- each combat, tap up to one target creature. Um, so I-, I just think that that is like one of the more effective um, sort of pillow 40 enchant- enchantments. So I- I'm really digging that half of the partnership. Um, Rhoda, on the other hand, seems a lot less interesting to me. You really have to build around her to make the tapping go off. And even when you do, it's not particularly insane. <laughs> like, like when Timon and Rhoda are out, then yeah, she'll accumulate tokens pretty quickly, but she doesn't have any sort of uh, evasion. So you got to work really hard to trigger her and then work really hard to get her through. So I'm I'm just not nearly as as high on her as I am on Timon. Yeah, this is the kind of deck where I think um, it's like a pretty powerful casual build where like you're going to play your Verity Circle and you're going to play like tappers. Uh, White gets a tapper in like every freaking limited set or like every mm-hmm. other one. Uh, and they're not always good. It's usually these days like two or three to tap something or it's tap, but like tap only something with a big butt or something like that. But I could see like a casual playgroup playing Rhoda and Timon and having a great time and Rhoda is huge and everyone only has one kill spell on their deck so it goes off like that but I, I agree I think um, 
think there's more powerful things to do than just have a big commander, but uh, the visceral appeal of having a large commander is is something people like sometimes. I do want to say one more thing about this, though, because the, we were talking about this in regards to commander, but I think it's interesting that they're playing with the partner with space, because when you, let's say you're playing uh, this pre-con and Millicent is your your face commander, that's the one you pick to play with. When you draw your Rota and cast it, you always get to go get your Timon, which is pretty funny. So I think that one of the reasons we're going to keep seeing this partners with mechanic used in these pre-cons is simply because of that gameplay. <laughs> like <laughs> it, it's it's card advantage in colors that might not always get it. Like obviously blue white doesn't have problems getting cards, but like if you're in like uh like a red white or something like that, it's a, an easy way to make a card that draws a card that has extra utility for wizards it like accomplishes multiple goals even though i think partners with is pretty lame mm-hmm. it's kind of a clunky mechanic uh i i will say that i definitely prefer it to modal double-faced legends oh god yes that's you <laughs> i totally will give you that that's 100 percent true <laughs> while like having just a big beefy rota is not that awesome um there are a couple cards out there that allow you to use counters and convert them into resources. So like Sage of Fables allows you to pay two mana and remove a counter from a uh, plus, one plus one counter from a creature you control to draw a card. Hopeful Initiate from Crimson Vow allows you to pay two and a white and remove two counters from among creatures you control to destroy an artifact or enchantment. Um, so that's potentially a good way to make use of Rhoda if you are just acquiring counters, but you keep getting jump blocked. Yeah, that's a, a very important point to, to note. And so now we are in the main deck cards, and we're going to start with the white ones, because why not? Mm-hmm. Um, this first one is Drogskull Reinforcements. Uh, this is a 2-2 spirit soldier for 4 mana, 3 and a white. It has melee, so uh, if you remember from Battlebond, when this creature attacks, it gets plus 1, plus 1 until end of turn for each opponent you attacked this combat. So if you attack one player, it gets plus one, plus one. If you've attacked three players, it gets plus three, plus three, et cetera, et cetera. So. Uh, oh, I think Melee was actually from Conspiracy 2. Oh, is it Conspiracy 2? Yeah, because oh. it was on uh, Adriana. Oh, you're right. Okay. Well, there you go. So Melee from Conspiracy 2. And that's important because other spirits you control have Melee. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the main point of Skull Reinforcements. Um, and it also has Prevent All Non-Combat Damage that would be dealt to spirits you control. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. This is an enormous buff. This is like one of the best tribal buffs ever. I hope I'm not uh, overselling that, but but <laughs> no, like, I think you're good. <laughs> in a four-person game, like where almost all of your spirits have some of form of evasion, it's going to be mostly, or they're just like crappy tokens that you don't care about losing. It's going to be really, really easy to get the full plus three, plus three off of this. And then, like, like this, it looks like this deck can just really easily generate tokens. So, I mean, your commander does it. So, I mean, all your guys are just flying four fours. It it seems fantastic. Um, I'm really, really into this card. Yeah, no, I think for four mana, this is great because, like, you play like a spectral procession turn three. You play your drug skull reinforcements and attack for twelve, like. Like it is across multiple opponents, but like, what are you gonna do? Like, 
block my four four flyer. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it doesn't seem pretty feasible on turn four that everyone could just have something to intercept your four four flying attacker. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I'm, and, I'm and this deck agreed. is gonna sort of be about like curving out with spirits to an extent, so you can get your commander down early. So yeah, it just seems like. I totally agree with you. Early in the game, this seems very scary. Yeah, and it, it not, that's not even to discount, like, this is kind of more of a mono-white play we've been talking about, or the white-blue with the Millicent. But, like, this is great in Kaikar. This is great in, like, Ranar. Uh, if your commander is making spirits, this is just a, a pretty good card. <laughs> like, they're going to get really big. It's great. Yeah, uh, definitely keep it in mind as we go back to Kamigawa in January. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um, this next card is interesting in that it it opens up some new design space. Do you care if I, I get into it? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'll read it off, and then you can sort of talk about that design space. But this is Haunted Library. It is one in the white for an enchantment. Whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, you may pay one. If you do, create a 1-1 white spirit creature token with flying. So how is this new? I, I mean, white certainly makes a lot of tokens. Yeah, so... The the reason this is new is that typically white's only triggered when your creatures died. Uh, so we've seen this with like Basri's Lieutenant. We've seen it with Bishop of Wings. Uh, we've seen it with Alharu, which is one of the uh, legends from Commander Legends. Even though it seems very familiar, this is technically new design space for white because it's whenever a creature an opponent controls dies. So that's pretty cool. The one problem with this is like it's pretty hard to make this an engine in white, <laughs> like mm-hmm. in black, when you have, whenever an opponent controls dies, a creature controls dies or whatever. Um, you all know what I'm trying to say. You have ways to like utilize that trigger for yourself. Like if this was a black card, you could pay one, get a spirit and then sack it to, um, like anything, a, a Brexian plague bearer, uh, attrition, like it pretty, there's so many ways that you could, sack the the tokens even in red you could like goblin bombardment and start killing things and it's just harder to do that in white because we don't have the infrastructure to like create engines like this card is kind of meant to be um that said you can use it in other colors too i mean you don't have to play it in just mono white yeah one one thing i wanted like briefly touch on just with white design space like compared to say black design space um is just black has so many like self-feeding engines where it sort of has both the a and the b whereas white is is getting a lot more a's but it has almost no b's and for some examples of that like okay black gets good reanimation and it also gets good discard outlets um according to the most recent mechanical color pie update it is actually primary in discarding as a cost. Um, it so like you get both the way to get the thing in your graveyard and the way to get it onto the battlefield. Um, black also gets like sack fodder, tons of sack fodder creatures, and like good sack outlets that convert into other things. So black can sort of feed itself, but white really does seem to be like even as it's getting this new design space. It's getting more reanimation spells. It's getting more. Um, it's getting you know plenty of token generation and death triggers, but it doesn't have way to to sacrifice things to make the death triggers happen. What are your? I mean, do you have any thoughts on this? Like, just 
white sort of being forced to use other colors to make use of this new design space? Um, yeah, because when we've been doing the interviews, uh, one of the things that Arania said and, and some of the other council members said is they like when you have reasons to play the colors together. They like when you play the blue bounce spell and then the black discard spell and you feel clever when you do that, stuff like that. Um, and I think that's especially true with white for some reason internally when they look at white cards, they go, ah, yes, wouldn't it be great if you play these white token makers with all the green overrun effects as opposed to like, ah, yes, why can't we make tokens and then pump them in white because both of those things are technically in the color pie. <laughs> like, it seems weird that they think of white uh, as like really patchwork as opposed to other colors, which kind of get these engines and kind of do that. So I, I don't know if there's any like deep insight I have for it, but it is something that I just notice uh, consistently happening to white. And I'm hoping that we start seeing change. Uh, this set, as we kind of talked about in the other um, set reviews, set reviews is like really giving white a lot of the things that they've been promising. So I'm hoping that maybe in a year or two, we'll look back at Haunted Library and it's like, an integral piece of white machines as opposed to just like a cool piece in like your white blacklist. But yeah, it, it is just interesting that like they, for some reason internally white isn't allowed to like play well with itself. And I don't, I don't know why maybe they're like trying to practice what they preach, but white's the only one who's been playing nicely, which is a pretty white thing, honestly. Absolutely. <laughs> So, so not too much to to add to the card. Um, did you want to say any last things before we move on? Uh, no, I think we can move. We've, I mean, we've got plenty of cards to cover today, so I'm happy to skip Keep ahead on going. to this next yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, you want to read it off? Sure. So this is Priest of the Blessed Graph. This is a one-two human cleric for three mana, two and a white. At the beginning of your end step, create X one one white spirit creature tokens with flying, where X is the number of opponents who control more lands than you. So uh, if you, you, don't get, you don't get a catch up, but you do get some flyers. So <laughs> there you go. That's going to balance the color pie right there. <laughs> I don't think it will, but I do think this card is interesting. Do, do you care if I just kind of go off on it real quick? Yeah, go for it. So if you play white the way we've been advocating, like playing mono white, um, where you're playing like your Lotus Fields and your Fetch Lands um, and things like that to kind of like artificially limit the number of lands that you have on the field, like your sacking lands, your bouncing lands with Karu, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, kind of to keep your like Weathered Wayfair turned on, your uh, rampy guys turned on, the various ramp white creatures, catch up white creatures. Um, then Priest of the Blessed Graph seems like pretty good, like a three mana one two that gives you three flyers at the end of each of your turns. That that's a pretty good deal for three mana. But if you're playing fair, if you're just gonna put this in your spirit deck and you don't have any of that infrastructure built in, then this is probably not gonna work very well because you're you're just gonna hope that like what you you get mana screwed you're gonna hope you don't draw your fifth land so that you have less lands than your opponents or you hold on to that fifth land so that you can get a trigger from your three drop like that seems 
awful. It seems like it's incentivizing bad play patterns to me. So I wouldn't play it unless you have the infrastructure. And I would probably never play this in any green color identity ever. You just have so many better options and ramping is so much stronger than getting three spirits. So I, I would I would venture to say even like most two color combos other than like maybe Boros or something like that, you probably should just ramp. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You should probably just ramp. Uh, don't worry about Priest of the Blessed Graph. There, it's not not as good as you might want it to be. So that's all. That's how I feel about it. All right. Uh, well, with that, I think we can move on to the next one. Um, this is Storm of Souls. It is four white white for a sorcery. Return all creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. Each of them is a one one spirit with flying in addition to its other types. Exile Storm of Souls. Um, so obviously that Exile Clause, always a bummer. Uh, but I think this is still a really exciting card. Um, Niambi, uh, and, and I'll let you speak to this a little bit more, but oh, yeah. it seems like a card that Niambi would be really interested in. Um, mm-hmm. Sort of like white-based reanimation lists. Because uh, even if your creatures are coming back as a 1-1, like most of them are just devastating anyway like an a 1-1 one, one avacyn is fine a 1-1 yeah. one, one jingataxius <laughs> is fine um i was also thinking that like carador and nethroy are big into playing out of their graveyard and nethroy in particular tends to run really small creatures or creatures with low power so that's interesting that that could work really well this just seems like one of the best white reanimation spells ever printed like very close to the top yeah i i just 100 percent agree with that and i think it plays in really nicely with like blink too so like let's say you are upset that your avacyn is a one one well ephemerate exists and uh and you can get your eight eight back if you (laughs) if you really want it so um this is just a good spell uh i am gonna play it i hope other people do too it seems really fun it seems like a blast like just Getting a board out of nowhere and also one of your one one flyers is like an Elish Norn, like seems so brutal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that seems so good. So uh yeah, definitely excited to play with this. Yeah. Uh, uh can't wait to see more cards in that vein for sure. Oh yeah. I mean they said they said they're gonna do it. Come on, wizards. Come on. Um, can I read off this next one? Yeah, go for it. So this is sudden salvation. This is an instant. It's four mana, two white, white. Choose up to three target permanent cards in graveyards that were put there from the battlefield this turn. Return them to the battlefield tapped under their owner's control. You draw a card for each opponent who controls one or more of these permanents. So this is this is so funny to me. Like <laughs> a card really like it's just yeah. a political card it's it's i know there's people that like this so i'm not really gonna trash it too much but um i, do I mean, like I mean the, the card is it. fully functional even if you never engage with that last sentence exactly so. yeah so i'm happy with this this card actually is pretty is pretty cool so i've loved brought back um i've loved cosmic intervention is that the white one with foretell i i think so cosmic, yeah cosmic something there's a foretell spell from the ranars list from the call time commander yes it is uh cosmic intervention you're right yeah that card has been great for me a sudden salvation seems like it'll be great it works with the uh 
white land stuff we've been talking about wink wink nudge nudge mm-hmm. uh it works with uh just like blocking creating like a situation that seems favorable to an opponent and then it isn't you get your etbs again and whatnot um these cards just play out pretty well and i'm excited to get another one yeah uh i selfishly wish it was a little bit cheaper um yeah <laughs> but still very uh cool card i i really love what you said about um using it in conjunction with like a lotus field or something similar uh just as a, a form of white ramp hopefully we can get more ways to sacrifice lands in white in the future just to to further build on that synergy but seems like a seems like a pretty cool card and i would definitely consider running it if my commander had like a really strong death trigger like a Yose the Morning Star or a Gerard Rutherlight Captain or is it oh actually what's what's Gerard 2.0's uh oh, subtitle? Yeah. Uh, Gerard, uh, Gerard Weatherlight Hero. That's right. There you go. Um so yeah, I'd definitely consider running it in those lists. Um, because it is so impactful to like get your commander back after doing something like that. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. That seems like a big play. So here we are, blue spells. So uh, can I read off this first one? Mm-hmm. So this is Breath of the Sleepless. This is a blue enchantment. It costs four mana, three and a blue. You may cast spirit spells as though they had flash. Whenever you cast a creature spell during an opponent's turn, tap up to one target creature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this seems like another card, but worse. This seems like Rattle Chains, but it's not a 2-1 flyer with flash. Yeah, like... N- the fact that it like clearly says you want to play spirits, but it doesn't contribute to your spirit count, which like matters quite a lot for your spirit tribal commander. Yeah. I don't know this. I just don't think I'm going to find room for this card because so many, (laughs) there there are a lot of good spirits that already have flash. So there's a a fair number of my cards. It's just not going to do anything for. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Like spirits are also pretty good at like just tapping things. So <laughs> I, I would much rather just like get these effects on a spirit body that can then like make tokens or make my commander cheaper. Yeah. I mean, th- th- what this seems like is that people are going to play it in their spirit tribal list because it says spirits and giving your spirits flash is like pretty good or whatever. But then just over time, as we get more better spirits, people will just cut this. This will be like the first card cut. I do feel like right now we might be like a little lacking in blue spirity stuff. So I, I'm expecting to see it in these decks that people build, but there's just so many better things that I would put in before this. If I really wanted to give my spirits and like other spells flash, I would I would probably just run Leyline of Anticipation. Yeah. First, you know. So I think what this is is people are gonna play it because Donald is in the deck. They're gonna go, Oh wow, Flash is pretty good with this guy, and then like put it wanna like the ley line in or something like that. <laughs> I think this is just to show people like, hey, this is pretty good, and then it'll be cut, which is kind of a bummer because like there's only so many slots in these decks to put these cool new cards and these tribal support cards. But um like whatever, blue's good. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, eh, true. Eh, that's fine. Yeah, the wasted white slots feel much worse than the wasted blue slots. Like, yeah, okay, you, you want to make another X draw spell, whatever. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just kind of, just kind of, I guess, raise my hands up, whatever. 
This next one is a weird guy. <laughs> He's mm-hmm. a weird little spirit. This is Ethereal Investigator. It is three and a blue for a creature spirit. It's a two, three flyer. And when it enters the battlefield, investigate X times where X is the number of opponents you have. And then whenever you draw your second card each turn, create a one, one white spirit creature token with flying. So my first thought was in, um, not in spirit tribal necessarily, although they're, uh, you know, if you can, yeah, you consist- yeah. yeah, you, you could make that work there. Um, but I was thinking like Min the Illusionist from the um, from the D and D precons. So Min, uh, whenever has that trigger, whenever you draw your second card each turn, create an illusion that gets plus one plus one, or sorry, plus one plus zero oh for each other illusion you control. And then whenever an illusion dies, you can put a permanent card with mana value less than or equal to that creature's power from your hand onto the battlefield. So like. Uh, having seen Min in action, like she can accumulate illusions pretty quickly, and like dropping in an ethereal investigator off of a Min trigger, getting a bunch of tokens, or rather, getting a bunch of clues, um, and then which is then fodder for Min's second card trigger, and then also having its own second card trigger itself that creates other tokens. Mm-hmm. Uh, just seems like a ton of natural synergies with Min. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think Min is a great place for this card. And kind of in the same note, like Gavi Nest Warden from the Ikoria Precons has the same trigger. Uh, that's the Cycling Commander. But honestly, like every every month when they release a new product now, like I look at Gavi and I go, I'm just probably not going to even play Cycling Cards in you at some point. Like. You just flood the board so fast with that second, like, draw two cards trigger. And there's so many mm-hmm. cards that do this. Um, so that that's something I was thinking of. The other ones was uh, actually utilizing the investigate part of the card. So Brutaclad just loves free tokens. You play this, you get a bunch of tokens because you got some opponents. Didn't even have to think. Just just tap that mana and get some tokens and turn them into, like, 3-3 three, three worms or something like that. <laughs> like, no thoughts, only action. Uh, Lonus also uh, loves clue tokens, uh, loves having artifact tokens. Uh, that is the Modern Horizons. That's where he was from. I think Modern Horizons too. The the uh, Simic clue token investigate when you play Creatures Guy. So this will give you probably at least four tokens if you're playing a three-player game with Lonus out, which is a ton of tokens, and you can use those to do a bunch of stuff. So that seems somewhere I'd want to play this too. Surprisingly, not a lot of spirits. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, one other thing that just occurred to me, um, this might not be good enough, but it's it's funny. So maybe people will try it. Yeah. Um, Essex Fractal Bloom, of course, <laughs> really likes creatures that make a bunch of tokens when they enter the battlefield. So, you know, you can have this inferior ethereal investigator come in. All the tokens become copies of ethereal investigator. And then they also produce copies or produce clues or you can just have it like have the tokens come in as a copy of some other creature you have like a deep forest hermit or something and then just make a bunch of whatevers yeah that but, that seems good for four mana mm-hmm. uh, basically yeah this isn't a very good spirit card but this is a pretty interesting card <laughs> yes i agree um, a lot of a lot of cool text on there yeah uh, speaking of a lot of cool text whoa wait not this card um this is haunting imitation <laughs> So I'm going to read this off because it's a lot and then we'll talk about it because it's a lot of words for like not a lot of the, the juice I don't feel like is worth the squeeze. So haunting imitation is a sorcery. It costs three mana, two and a blue. 
Each player reveals the top card of their library. For each creature card revealed this way, create a token that's a copy of that card, except it's a 1-1, it's a spirit, in addition to its other types, and it has flying. If no creature cards were revealed this way, return Haunting Imitation to its owner's hand. So that's that's cool. You whiff and you get it back. You you whiff, (laughs) you get it back. I, I just really dislike random value cards like this. Uh, yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> it's I, I. It seems like so often it's going to be like a waste of mana, or unless you know exactly what it's going to hit, there's just going to be a lot of times where you flip and it's like spell land land mana dork and yeah. Mm. I was just going to say the times I've whiffed on like an Atali trigger are so many more than the times I've just absolutely broken the game in half. And uh, this seems like even when you're winning, even when you're you're getting there, you got three one one. So not quite. I mean, it is three mana, so I know I shouldn't expect to win the game with it. But it it does seem like it's this is a random effect in your deck. It's probably not worth it. Which is kind of my next point. Which is uh, if you are playing like a, a Lantern of Insight, there's some people who have various lantern of insight decks maybe draw off the stitcher oh you mentioned earlier circu demir lobotomist uh, demir lobotomist yeah those kind of decks maybe this is fine because you kind of know uh you, you can look and go oh there's three creatures right now boom um it's not random i think taking out the randomness makes this card very good uh, and the only deck that i could think of that like actively wanted it because it doesn't seem good enough for like kaikar or like the spirit tribal list but uh, i was thinking octavia which is the octavia living thesis uh just as a refresher uh is a 10 mana 8 8 elemental octopus it costs 8 blue blue but she costs 8 less if you have 8 or more instants and sorceries in your graveyard she has ward 8 so pretty much like never getting targeted <laughs> and a magecraft trigger which is whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell target creature has base power and toughness 8 8 until end of turn so this is a sorcery. So it triggers Octavia, makes something big. It gives you tokens as long as you kind of know that that's going to happen. Like I said, if this is random, it's probably not worth it. But if, if you have some kind of build where you're looking at what people are drawing or whatever, that might work out. So that's the only place I could think of to play this because an 8-8 flyer that probably is getting you a little value is probably better than just getting some one ones in Kaikar that you're going to sack for red mana. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's it. That's uh, those are my thoughts on haunting imitation. Uh, I I do want to know what people at home think about this spell because it's weird. It's kind of a weird one. Love to get some alternative views on it. Um, but the next one is also kind of weird. Um, yeah. but I'm but I'm into it. Uh, yeah. This is occult epiphany. It is X and a blue for an instant. Draw X cards, then discard X cards. Create a 1-1 white spirit creature token with flying for each card type among cards discarded this way. I feel like there's a, going to be a lot of lists that can naturally get at least three tokens off of this pretty consistently. Like maybe even in this pre-con, I think there's just like enough spells, enough creatures, and then of course lands that you could probably get it for three without too much trouble. And in that yeah. case, it's just like a, a pretty good token generation spell like three bodies for four mana uh is pretty solid 
plus they all have flying, plus you're getting this uh, looting effect on top of it. I I like this card. Yeah, I love discarding cards. Uh, man, I love discarding cards. So this <laughs> being like card selection, discard outlet, fills up your graveyard, gives you some tokens along the way. It's an instant. These are all things that I'm into. So um, yeah, this this just seems great. Seems fun. Yeah, I would definitely consider running this in like Inyaz, the Gale Force, that like flying tribal commander from um, from oh, Jumpstart, yeah. and also like Derevi, Imperial Tactician. If you've got like sort of a flying tribal Derevi list going on, this could be pretty good there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. And Millicent, it's in this deck, but if you can get those tokens, you're probably going to start going off. The selection's probably good enough there too. So yeah. Cool. It's, this is red. Um, I'm going to read off this next one. This is Spectral Arcanist. Uh, this is a... <laughs> every time I look at it. Uh, this is a 3-2 Spirit Wizard for 4 mana. 3 and a blue. It has flying. And when Spectral Arcanist enters the battlefield, you may cast an instant or sorcery spell with mana value less than or equal to the number of spirits you control from a graveyard without paying its mana cost. If that spell be put into a graveyard, exile it instead. So, um, what am I? What am I doing? What am I casting here? How's it? How does this work? So, I was thinking, like, I mean, obviously, there's like a lot of spells that aren't really worth your time to flashback, or like aren't worth a card to flashback, or at least not worth four mana. But yeah. if you're, if you've got, you know, your spirit tribal list, your Millicent or whatever, um and you're running a lot of extra turn spells, this could be really good there. The the potential to get back something that powerful makes this card pretty attractive. Um, so that's kind of where I was thinking about it for, but it also has the wizard type line. So do you know of any decks that might care about that element of the card? Um, not a... Oh, I guess, yeah. So I would say... Um, like Nabon is pretty good for that, and Nala cares about having wizards. Um, I think Nabon is funny because, like, if this was like if countered the spirits or wizards that you controlled to get free spells, it would be a lot better. But like getting your cantrips back or um, that kind of stuff doesn't seem bad to me. Um, the Anala one, I like most Anala wizard lists I've seen just kind of care about having wizards. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I feel like a wizard that ETB casts a spell for free, even if it's a cheap one, and then is just a wizard on the battlefield <laughs> is probably fine for Anala. That card's pretty good. Um, so yeah, that's that's how I, how I feel about this guy. I, I The first time I read this, I thought it said Flash, and I was really into it. And Ooh, like, yeah. That would have been a lot nicer. The fact that it can't hit counter spells just like really limits its, yeah. or even like, or even that the fact that it's not especially good with spot removal mm-hmm. hmm, kills a lot of the use cases, I think. Yeah, now you really have to be doing something really proactive, but those tend to be higher up the mana value chain. So yeah. you have to have more spirit. So, right. Yeah, now it's just a weird card. It could have been a great card. <laughs> <laughs> so, oops. Um, do you want to get into I think this is the last card in the blue white precon right yes yes it is um, All right. so this is disorder in the court disorder in the court it is x white blue for an instant 
Exile X target creatures, then investigate X times. Return the exiled cards to the battlefield tapped under their owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. Uh, so if you don't mind, I'll hop into this. Um, yeah. So I I really like this take on a mass blink spell. Um, like, obviously, it, it doesn't compare super favorably if you have a lot of targets to things like Eerie Interlude or Ghostway or Semester's End. Um, but, you know, returning at end of turn is mostly a benefit like being able to use this to dodge board wipes dodge removal well it's actually really just dodge board wipes that's great um the fact that it is also generating cards for you in the form of these clue tokens uh, i love that as well and there's a couple other things going on too like you can sort of tap down blockers if you want to um you can and like sometimes just being able to selectively blink stuff is nice as well. Like if you have tokens that you don't want to lose, something like that. Uh, so I'm I'm pretty into this card. I think this is a, a nice addition to the format. Yeah, I I agree. I actually really like this card. I'm really excited to play with it and see just what kind of like crap I can get into with it. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I think with that, we can move on to the uh, vampire deck, the red-black deck. Okay, who's leading this one? Yeah, so this is Streffen Maurer Progenitor. This is a 3-2 flying vampire noble for 4 mana, 2 black-red. He has, at the beginning of your end step, create a blood token for each player who lost life this turn. And just a, a little reminder, a blood token is an artifact token. It says one, discard a card, draw a card. Uh, oh, sorry, one, discard a card, sack this token, draw a card. So it's like a bad clue, <laughs> bad mm -hmm. clue token. But Streffen also has one more line of text. It says whenever Streffen attacks, you may sacrifice two blood tokens. If you do, you may put a vampire card from your hand onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. It gains indestructible until end of turn. Do you want to get into this guy? Yeah, I'll say that typically when we see designs like this, uh, you know, when you hit a bunch of players, you get some sort of reward. That leads me to go like, oh, you want a bunch of like cheap things with evasion. But uh, in this case, like I rate blood really low in terms of like reward. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm actually just inclined to mostly ignore that line of text and just focus on the bottom one, which actually seems like a pretty good payoff. Dropping in a big vampire, there are some fantastic ones at the higher end of the curve. Um, uh, some of which, you know, printed in Crimson Vow or printed in this precon, which we'll get to later. Mm -hmm. But there's things like um, Butcher of Malakir, the Grave Pact on a five-four flying body. There's Necropolis Regent, which is like uh, whenever one of your creatures hits an opponent, they get that many plus one plus one counters equal to the damage dealt. So there's some really, really heavy hitters that you can cheat in with Streffen. And yeah, you, you will sort of have to care about blood, but I would say like don't work too hard. If you're getting two per turn, that's fine. And there's a couple ways to cheat that. You can run things like... Um, like a uh, cryptolith fragment, um, the mm -hmm. the mana rock from Eldritch Moon that makes each opponent lose one life when you tap it. Um, so a couple 
things like that will probably go a long way. Maybe some of the cards you'd see in like a, a Rakdos 2.0 list um, or like a Bell B list, just ways to deal a little bit of damage to your opponents, you know, often cheaply without a huge amount of investment. I think that this is really cool. So I'm pretty, it was either you or Alex Whiteclay were talking about how this is a really cool, like, Yang to Edgar's Yin because um, Edgar Markov, the uh, not not the new two two color one, but the uh, original Edgar Markov that is three color Mardu commander, really really only wants your little tiny donks. You want your little vampires to come down, so you're attacking, you're getting tokens, and then Edgar can maybe maybe you don't even ever cast <laughs> like you just keep getting guys and you keep attacking and you play your shared animosity and people are dead really fast. Um, Streffen is really incentivizing playing the big, cool, splashy vampires. It's like the other side of the spectrum playing all the vampires that you probably always wanted to play, but never really were able to. Um, so that's what In this guy is going to let yeah. you do. Um, and, and there's a lot of them, honestly, like we got like our cool necropolis regions, Malakir blood, Witch, which is, so cool it's everyone loses life equal to the number of vampires you control and you gain that much life like a kakusho so it's like a it's a huge swing <laughs> mephidros mm-hmm. vampire which is awesome like an overcosted vampire from original mirrodin that uh whenever a creature you control deals damage you put a plus one plus one counter on it and that's just it's just damage <laughs> which is pretty cool so there's a ton of really fun big splashy vampires and we're going to talk about some here um, that you just really didn't have a home or you kind of had to force some places. And now all of a sudden, Streffen is like, come on in, bud. I got some blood ready for you. Yeah, there's that new uh, six mana one from Crimson Vow that um, when it deals combat damage to a player, create that many blood tokens. And it's like a five, five or a six, six. Oh, it's just damage. Yeah, it's just when it deals damage, you make blood, which is pretty cool. Um, And... And that that's actually the the other point. The only other point I'm going to say about Streffen is that um, Streffen lets you make blood. You don't really need to make like go out of your way to do things that make blood, but you are also going to naturally play some of these vampires that we're going to talk about that are kind of big that use blood. So, I, I, like Nick said, I really don't think you need to prioritize blood creation uh, through a mix of like Streffen's trigger himself and some of the other vampires you're going to play. Um, you're just probably going to end up with enough blood. So I, I, I really don't want you to worry about it. You're going you're gonna to be fine and everyone's going to get fed. It's going to be okay. <laughs> Which gets us into the next commander. Do you want to talk about this? Or I guess, do you want me to read him and you can talk about him? Sure, go for it. So uh, this guy's crazy. This is Timothar, Baron of Bats. This is a 4-4 vampire noble for 6 mana, 4 black black. He has ward, discard a card. Whenever another non-token vampire you control dies, you may pay one and exile it. If you do, create a 1-1 black bat creature token with flying. It gains when this creature deals combat damage to a player, sacrifice it, and return the exiled card to the battlefield tapped. Which is hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) I love this guy. This guy's so funny. Yeah, the flavor on this design is certainly incredible. Um, the, and like the potential to, it's almost like a blink engine for your vampires. Yeah. Um, so like blinking a Malakir Blood Witch, blinking a Champion of Dusk, the guy who um, 
draws when he enters the battlefield, draws X cards and you lose X life where X is the number of vampires you control. Uh, those both seem great. But this is a bit slow is kind of the only issue. Like the fact that he costs six mana and you need to use mana to get this ability going means like, okay, maybe turn seven, we cook up a bunch of bats and then turn eight, we're starting to get our things back. It it seems like a commander that needs a lot of ramp because it doesn't really do anything without its commander on the board and a bunch of mana as well. So I'd say like for a six mana design, this is not ultra appealing to me. Because, like, compare it to something like Olivia Crimson Bride, who, yeah, you pay six mana, but you get immediate impact because she starts swinging and reanimates something huge that very same turn. And also, like, a lot of the gameplay you can get from this guy of, like, sort of blinking things-ish, you can get from Olivia mostly just as well. You can just, like, sack the thing that Olivia brings back and get it back next turn and, and farm triggers or whatever. But... What are your thoughts on Timothar? Um, just that he's really cool. Probably never going to play him. <laughs> um, designs like this are exactly kind of what you said. They just kind of require too many pieces. Um, and the worst part about these really expensive commanders that are like this is that they are deceptive in that fact. Because Timothar, you go, oh, I just need Timothar and my my vampires. But you don't just need Timothar and your vampires. You need Timothar and like specific vampires. And you also need Timothar and mana for those vampires. You need the mana ramp to get Timothar out. You need a board that was developed and not interrupted between the turns you took off to play Timothar or like ramp and stuff like that. So there's a lot of places where this card can just kind of go off the rails and not work the way you want, which sucks. But um, I, I do think it's cool. And I think that when Timothar is working, it's gonna feel incredible. You're gonna feel like a like powerful, like mad mage, just turning all of your huge vampires into bats and turning them back into vampires, and it's gonna be great. Do you mind if I read off these next two? Oh yeah, go for it. So this is Camber the Plunderer, which is three and a black for a three-four legendary creature vampire rogue. It has partner with Loreen the Diversion, and I'll get to her in just a second. Uh, Camber has lifelink, and whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, you gain one life and create a blood token. He, so his partner, Loreen the Diversion, is two and a red for a 3-3 legendary creature human rogue. She has partner with Camber the Plunderer. She has first strike, and you can pay two and sacrifice an artifact or creature to goad target creature. Uh, so if you may have been paying a little bit of attention, you've probably heard that Camber was initially spoiled with a different trigger. Yeah. Um, initially triggered off of any creature dying. So it was a lot better than the current version. But that's okay. What What do you think about Camber and Lorene? So, <laughs> I, I mean, I still like them, but I don't like them as much as when Camber was very build-aroundable. <laughs> Um, and actually one of the things that uh, I want to mention about that, and I'm not going to dwell on it too much, is that it kind of, I feel like, creates a more antisocial play pattern. Um, the stronger version of the card relying mostly on just creatures dying uh, meant that you could build a deck which took advantage of that to get blood tokens. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now you have to specifically kill opponent's creatures. You're putting cards into your deck that like actively disrupt other people's game plans, which is good. It's good to blow up the things your opponents are doing because then you can win the game. But that is much more antisocial, and I think it's interesting that that's the design that they pushed for this. Um, I think combined, they're going to play fine. I think you're not going to get too many deaths off of the goad triggers from Lorene too often, but you are going to be um, in a good place, I think. I think between the um, treasure production of the Forgotten Realms and Crimson Vow blood tokens and just other things from from the past, I think this is going to generate enough cool uh, tokens and creatures to like keep your game plan moving but what the gate like what the game plan is is like dubious I, I blow up your stuff and I go the big one and I, I attack you you know like this just doesn't seem like um, it seems like I'm doing a lot of work and like getting kind of scraps for it if that makes sense I agree with you. Um, while I do like seeing more artifact sack outlets, like I have never really liked Goad as a reward. I mean, you know, it's not for me, whatever. I, I don't like, I don't really care about combat that much. So that reward is not very enticing to me. And then, as I mentioned earlier, like I don't value blood very highly as a reward either. <laughs> so just neither of these guys are doing something I care about. So I'm not yeah. super. I'm not super into this pair. I'm definitely not going to build these guys. Yeah, probably not going to build these guys. I I will say just for the audience, it's funny because I I'm a lot higher on Goad than I used to be, and I actually like Lorraine as a card. Um, and I do think it's funny because like Nick will often talk about on the podcast like combat's not for him, but then this Catilda deck will kill you with like a bunch of <laughs> like five five <laughs> humans. So so I I don't want people to get the impression that uh, Nick only combos off with, and with, I'll, I'll say yeah. this i'll say this like i'm only really attacking like a couple of turns until <laughs> the game it's mostly just rampant value and then when i'm ready yeah yeah you'll figure out how to win at some point yeah, eventually I've, you I've can minimized just... combo or i've minimized the aggro down to a single turn in my aggro deck <laughs> yeah it's efficient it's efficiency you know uh, speaking of fun vampires can i talk about this next one sure go for it so this is Crossway Troublemakers. Uh, this is a, well, I mean, I guess they are 5-5 five, five vampire for six mana, five and a, a black. Attacking vampires you control have death touch and lifelink. Whenever a vampire you control dies, you may pay two life. If you do, draw a card. Yes, this is this is rad. I love this. Strefan loves this. I don't have to spend any extra mana. I just get to pay life. I get to gain life with my big vampires that I'm cheating in with Strefan. I'm I'm so happy about this card. There's there's like multiple cards, multiple new commander cards in this precon that like both reward you with life and require life payment. Uh it's it's just funny that if the car if like both halves of the card kind of pay for each other, then like did did you even need to is it is it not kind of a wash at that point? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, uh, they've realized that giving things lifelink is the most fun way to gain life, uh, and also the swingiest way. Like instead of playing mm-hmm. spells 
that gain a ton of life. They're just like, oh, just attack. This actually with your like five progresses five. the game too. Yeah, and it progresses the game. So I think we're gonna see more of that on things, and and I'm totally fine with that. Like attacking in the air with like a four four flying vampire that now has life link. I'm uh, cool. Yeah, hell yeah, I'm I'm down. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it also punishes blocking because they have death touch too. So it's like, well, I mean, you'll trade if you block. And I'll gain some life, and then I might draw some cards. Like, what do you want to do? So, it's great. This whole the whole package is is it does kind of trivialize itself, like you said, but uh, it's it seems very strong, and I'm I'm kind of into that. <laughs> yeah, this seems like a great option to drop in with Streffen. Um, it's just a, a fantastic board insurance, or if you have like sack outlets going, it's just an engine to help you get you value you off of that. Um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty into this card. It seems like a great little card for all the various vampire decks we're getting. Yes. Um, man. Okay. Do you want to, do you want to, I'll, I'll read this next one off and you can talk about it. Cause, uh, Hmm. It's, it's sure. a, it's a, it's a thinker. So this is glass <laughs> cast heart. It is an artifact. Uh, it costs two and a black. And it says whenever it has three three abilities, basically, it says whenever one or more vampires you control attack, create a blood token. One tap. Sorry. Black tap. Pay one life. Create a one one white and black vampire creature token with lifelink. Black black tap. Sacrifice glass cask heart and 13 blood tokens. Each opponent loses 13 life and you gain 13 life. Um. I do want to note that you're only getting one blood token a turn, no matter how many vampires attack. So, um, yeah, they, they really, <laughs> they, there's like so many different permutations of like attack triggers these days or like combat damage triggers. You really have to read every single one closely. Cause like, you know, Bruna works differently from Grazalax works differently from glass cast heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, you're right. You do only get one, blood per turn and as i mentioned before i'm not very high on blood maybe that'll change once i've had more time to play with it but um that is not that in and of itself doesn't like make me want to put this card in my deck um making vampires every turn okay that's something like there's (laughs) tribal decks that are interested in that okay uh and then that Third ability is a total blank to me. I just don't think that any of the blood commanders are generous enough with it that you would just have 13 blood lying around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think you'd really have to work for that. And the fact that blood is such a bad reward means that like, I, I'm probably not going to. Um, like there's a lot of things to do with blood, but a lot of the things that work with blood give you blood at the same time. Like even this card, it, it's a bad rate, but it's still giving you blood. Um, yeah. I do th- mm-hmm. Well, one thing I, I will note is like with Angie, uh, Maid of Dishonor, um, the fact that she limits or the fact that her ability triggers only once each turn, like makes it so you kind of want to spread out when your vampires are entering so the fact that you could potentially like activate this on a on an opponent's turn get your vampire and also trigger angie made of dishonor that's something that's like a consideration for this card yeah that's a good point um and i was really only going to say that like 
there is a world in which having artifact tokens is there's going to be like a, a vampire commander that cares about artifact tokens uh and this card eventually goes up in value like it doesn't matter that they're blood or something like that and and making a life-linking vampire at instant speed for like a black and a life like that's not nothing i could think of decks that i might have wanted this in at some point in time like it doesn't cost a card or anything like that but yeah that that last trigger i'm i'm trying not to let the rest of the card get soured by how like underwhelming <laughs> the last trigger is like i know you're gaining 13 life uh i know you could possibly kill someone with it but like it just seems like a like a pipe dream and so i'm trying to mm-hmm. not let that influence the rest of the card and right now i just don't know where i'm going to play this that's kind of where i'm at with glass cask heart uh, i feel the same way uh, i think it's like maybe angie not sure where else. yeah where else yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly it's like because like i mean yeah you get one vampire one additional vampire per turn but like you're investing mana into it and like how many turns do you expect to be able to activate this before the end of like you know a 10 turn commander game yeah exactly <laughs> i guess do you want to move on to the next card yes uh so this next card is olivia's wrath it is four and a black for a sorcery. Each non-vampire creature gets minus X, minus X until end of turn, where X is the number of vampires you control. So I think this is a pretty easy choice for Edgar Markov, maybe even the new Edgar as well. He sort of incentivizes a go-wide list, I guess. Uh, I don't know. And of course, he produces tokens, whatever. But uh, what do you think about this in sort of like the the other vamp tribal decks what do you think is the the average x in like a non edgar markov vampire tribal list and what's the threshold for like oh i'll put it in my deck anyway uh yeah i'm i'm actually not sure because i think like at five mana it would have to be like four or five is what i'm hoping for that would reasonably wipe the board uh at a rate like better than the three mana like minus two minus twos that exist everywhere already because like if i want an effect just to kill tokens like to sweep tokens like i have that we have the call the bloodline from midnight hunt which is either a kill spell or like minus two minus two to all tokens we have like uh, cry the carnarium which is just minus two minus two to all creatures and if they die they get exiled like that effect Black has solidly locked at a very nice mana value. We know how much that costs. So I would definitely want this to be more (laughs) than that. And that said, I don't really think you're going to get to that very often in a lot of uh, non-Edgar lists, you know? Like, yeah, Streffen is cheating vampires into play, but he's cheating in, like, the big boys. He's cheating in cool splashy fun large vampires not uh trying to curve out with just a bunch of one one lifelink donks for one or two mana you know so yeah i i I am not sure if i'm gonna be playing this over the other options that exist in non-edgar lists Mm -hmm. um i'll say that like even if it's not a clean sweep plague wind for five, I think there probably is still some value, even if it's just like for four, like 
I kill most opposing commanders and like most utility creatures. And yeah, they'll have like, mm, I don't know, some, some big angel or some big, big demon left on the board. I think that's, I think that's okay. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see uh, again. Like this is all just estimates for, I mean, I've, I've played Edgar Markov. I had that deck. I can tell you it'll be very good there, but so many of these vampire tribal commanders are coming out like weeks in the future. So yeah. a, a lot of, a lot of like guesswork on this one. Yeah, definitely. So, yep. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Um, I'm, I think it's fine. Play it in your Edgar decks right now, I, either the two color or three color versions and it should be okay. But yeah, there's, I, I think most decks are going to have, better options it's going to be a a rare vampire that wants this that said this next one's really interesting um can i can i read this one off yes go for it so this is predator's hour so this is a black sorcery it costs one and a black until end of turn creatures you control gain menace and whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player exile the top card of that player's library face down you may look at and play that card for as long as it remains exiled, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast that spell. So basically, this gives all of your creatures menace and gaunty touch. So you like steal cards from your opponent's libraries when they hit. And it's kind of like a weird way to draw cards that they're kind of giving, giving to black and a little bit to red, but only this turn kind of stuff. So uh, how do you feel about this this is an interesting effect so um i it's interesting i would be a little cautious about like treating this as like a treating this as like a a one-shot coastal piracy or something because a lot of the go wide decks that are gonna have a lot of creatures that can get in and trigger this thing um are maybe not so interested in like what they're going to flip off their opponent's libraries like you know if your opponent's just running a bunch of good stuff and like oh there's a board wipe uh like you don't you're not going to cast that or um i i don't know i think there's like drawing off of your opponent's library is just significantly worse than drawing off of your own um i know that people really enjoy this gameplay like gonti is is ultra popular because it is really like fun to to you know get your greasy mitts on your opponent's cards. Um I'll say that I would I mean if your deck cares about this or like can get you some additional value on top of this, then I would look into it and I'm I'm thinking specifically of Prosper. Like with Prosper, you are running things like Laelia or Tectonic Giant or Atali things that like want to attack anyway in order to get your impulse draw going. So this could slot in pretty easily there. And of course, you're going to get your treasures when you cast the things you've exiled with Predator's Hour. So I, I like cards like this, even though I don't play them that often myself, because I think, like you said, they are very meta dependent. Because sometimes it's two mana, like draw six cards and they're all relevant or you hit all your land drops and uh, get some like big, cool, splashy things. And sometimes you just got some mana rocks that you might not even want to cast anymore. And, you know, like if, if your opponent's decks synergize with yours, it's probably better than just getting generic value. Um, so I, 
I'm going to say, like, I don't think this is a bad card. I think this is probably a pretty fun card. It's a pseudo, like, evasion for a turn with the menace, which also might be worth it in some decks uh, and some tribes, like, like zombies that um, just kind of have a hard time getting in there sometimes. But, um, yeah, I, I'm, I think this is kind of like season to taste. I'm, I'm not high on it, but a listener at home might be. Yeah, and of course, if there's um, ways to utilize it that we're not thinking of, please let us know. But I think we can move on to the next one, which I like a whole lot. This is probably one of my favorite cards out of this set of precons. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Shadow Grange Archfiend. It is six and a black for an eight four creature demon. When it enters the battlefield, each opponent sacrifices a creature with the greatest power among creatures they control. You gain life equal to the greatest power among creatures sacrificed this way, and it has madness for two and a black, pay eight life. So this, to me, looks like it's probably top two madness cards ever. I'm, I'm really high on this. I think this is just really sweet value. I cannot wait to, like, oh, there's going to be so many fun, like, uh, survival the fittest lines like discard something go oh, get yeah. this discard this just fucking eat the biggest creatures on the board and go get something else um i and also like this is the other thing i was talking about where it's like yeah you pay eight life up front but then you make most of that back when your opponent sacks a five five or a six six i i, I really like this thing yeah no i mean i don't actually have much more to say because i think it's just a good card i think like cheating in an eight four that gets you this much value is is awesome um i just hope that people play it i'm expecting to see it played against me (laughs) Mm -hmm. so um yeah it's just really cool um i hope that they print more just good madness cards like one of's like this uh more often you know i am 100 on the same page um can i read off this next one yeah go for it so this is Arterial Alchemy. So this is our first red card. It is an enchantment. It costs three, two, and a red. When Arterial Alchemy enters the battlefield, create a blood token for each opponent you have. Blood tokens you control are equipment in addition to their other types and have equipped creature gets plus two plus O oh, and equip of two. So <laughs> it turns all your random blood into um this is Marauder's Axe. Marauder's Axe exists. So we have gotten this card. It turns all your blood into Marauder's Axes. Um, so is that good enough? I don't know. I think this is only going to be run in decks that like want a bunch of equipment. Because really this makes three equipment when it enters the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And if you get more blood at a later date, that could be an equipment too, but getting three equipment that you can put on something for free, like a, a red X Ardenless, a creature getting plus six plus O for free, perhaps your Sir Gwyn, putting these on your knights, some of which might be vampires, um, stuff like that. Um, that seems good. I don't really think I'm going to play this in like Strephon or something like that. You know, maybe Angie. You're, you're pretty much on the money. I don't love this as like one shot blood token generation or as a rummaging effects. 
But yeah, with Sir Gwyn or Arden, some commander that can cheat a lot of equip costs, uh, this gets a lot more attractive. Yeah, that's really what I'm looking for with this card is like, I want to cheat. I want to put the equipment on for free. If I'm spending the six mana to equip these, uh, something went horribly wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I guess, can I get into the uh, the next card? Yeah, because that last one was pretty weird. This one is uh, not nearly as weird. This is Imposing Grandeur. This is a five mana sorcery, four and a red. Each player may discard their hand and draw cards equal to the greatest mana value of a commander they own on the battlefield or in a command zone. Uh, yeah, this is awesome. I, I love when they make it good to play high cmc commanders or sorry high mv commanders that's that's so great and this card is also great <laughs> yeah and it's really nice that it uh makes each player draw equal to the the mv of their commander so like yeah you can get like six or seven cards off of it off of your like uh i don't know your your sengir in the command zone but for your opponent who's playing like thrasios timna they their draw caps out at three, which is very nice. Uh, I love that it's a punishment as well. It is worth noting that um, this is a May discard. So like Wheel of Misfortune, your opponents can kind of opt out of it if they like their hand. This doesn't have the disruptive aspect of older wheels. But yeah. it's it's still a very excellent card. Like um, I'm very happy to run this if my... You know, if I'm in a color identity that doesn't have more efficient draw, of course, I'll, I'll give yeah. that caveat. But if the my commander's mana, va- mana value is like five or, or higher, it seems like easy inclusion. And then depending on the list, I'd probably put in a lot of four MV commanders as well. Yeah, um, I agree. I think when we see wheels from now on, we're going to see them with this restriction, I think. One of the things that they didn't like the most about wheels is that disruptive aspect of them, which I think is is was kind of like one of the reasons they were good. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like it was you were in control of when the wheel happened and what people did with the wheel. Um, you could cast your cards, wheel refill that kind of thing. So, um, not I'm, I mean, I'm still very high on this card. Uh, it, not getting if not getting the disruptive aspect is the price we'll have to pay to get good new wheels like this then i'm okay with that um and i think that said do we want to move on to the next card yes so honestly we could almost do these next two as a pair yeah (laughs) sure (laughs) uh okay so the first one is markov enforcer it's four red red for a six six creature vampire soldier. When it or another vampire enters the battlefield under your control, Markov Enforcer fights up to one target creature an opponent controls. Whenever a creature dealt damage by Markov Enforcer this turn dies, create a blood token. Uh, and the other card is Mid- Midnight Arsonist. Three and a red for a three two creature vampire. When Midnight Arsonist enters the battlefield, destroy up to X target artifacts without mana abilities, where X is the number of vampires you control. So where do you think you're going to run these guys? Yeah, um, you know, there's um, there's these designs I've been seeing people talk about 
uh, lately. Uh, tribal designs and uh, Vampire is definitely a tribe that these cards are meant to play in. And that's it. <laughs> that's there's not much else to say. Like if you put this in your Vampire Tribal deck, you're gonna have a good time. And I think it's notable that both of these play pretty well in all of the vampire lists that they can go in, I'm pretty sure. Like, I can't think of one off the top of my head that these cards are bad in. Yeah, like, the fact that, at worst, Markov Enforcer is just going to kind of, like, Necrotal something. Yeah. That, that's fine. It, it certainly is better in Strafon because, like, you know, its MV is higher, cheating it is better, but... uh also like markov if you put this like in an edgar markov deck this will also trigger a billion times if you can keep it around for a turn yeah yeah no you just you play it you attack you like eat three or four things um seems good and same with midnight arsonist like you're playing it in in edgar you're playing it in angie you play it you blow up a bunch of stuff uh it's kind of a bummer that it's mana abilities is singled out like without mana abilities but Mm -hmm. honestly like that means you're hitting something relevant so whatever it's still a lot of cards for one card if you're just playing vampires and uh not much more you can ask for if that's the case Mm -hmm. Uh, all right we're we're almost done yeah just two left uh this last one should go by pretty quickly um so do you want to read this one off sure so um, this is Scion of Opulence. This is a 3-1 vampire noble for 3 mana, 2 and a red. Whenever Scion of Opulence or another non-token vampire you control dies, create a treasure token. And then they have red, sacrifice 2 artifacts, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. Um, man, so as much as I love like artifact sack outlets, like I really do wish it was easier to get treasure tokens off of this. Like, I'm not sure if a three mana artifact sack outlet that has one toughness is like <laughs> something that I'm really looking to play. Maybe it is. I'll have to test it. But it really seems like the treasure is like a pretty important part of this card. And being only able to get that in like vampire lists or lists where you tutor up Bloodgast every game seems like not as cool to me. Yeah, it it doesn't. I don't love it as much as like crossway troublemakers. I mean, yeah, the the mana value is lower, but uh, this just doesn't really do it for me as like a reward for sacking a bloodgast a bunch of times. Or, well, okay, you know what? It's probably fine if you're killing bloodgast a bunch of times. But yeah. as like a <laughs> as like an insurance policy, um, I'm not really into it. Uh, if you happen to be playing a deck that can make crappy artifact tokens really easily like a togo list it seems good there mm-hmm. um but i think there's like a lot of the vampire tribal lists are more aggressive and they're not super interested in having their token or having their vampires die to trigger sign of opulence it's kind of weird like it just seems like you're not really going to get too much treasure off of it which is kind of the thing that would tip me over on playing this card because it I, I do love that it's sacrificed two artifacts, that it's not sacrificed two blood or two treasure or something like that. But yeah, it just seems like it's it's safe. It's a very safe. And one day we might get a vampire commander that's like a vampire tribal aristocrats 
Um, and this is going to be like one of the best cards in the deck, but that's not today. Um, and it's probably not going to be for a while. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll, we'll wait to see when that happens. All right. Moving on to the final card. This is Sinister Waltz. It is three black red for a sorcery. Choose three target creature cards in your graveyard. Return two of them at random to the battlefield and put the other on the bottom of your library. So as far as like multiple target reanimation goes, how do you think this ranks? Oh, that's a really good question. I think it's going to be if hmm, okay, if you are just playing creatures fairly, this is not going to be like the best for you. You're you're going to like just wait for your creatures to die. You're in red black and this is a reanimation spell. I guess it, it's five mana reanimate two things, right? It's worded that way. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, then I guess that's fine. Um, I actually thought it did the other one first, so actually I have to reevaluate my card, my <laughs> how I feel about this. But um, how do you feel about it? Like, do you feel like it's better? I mean, I, I'm assuming it's better than ever after at this point if it's five mana. Yeah, but like it's got a more restrictive color identity and. Uh, it it depends on what you're using it for, I think. Um, like the fact that it puts that you don't fully control it means you can't use it to like, oh, I get Mike and Trike. You know, I, I buried alive for Mike Trike and a third thing, and you know, I would much rather have Ever After in my hand to complete that combo than a Sinister Waltz and just hope I get really lucky. So like sometimes multiple target reanimation, you're like specifically setting something up. So having it be random prevents you from doing that. It also is like, uh, I mean, I mean, there's some give and take because like Ever After puts itself on the bottom of your library, so it's not really useful for like reanimation loops. But Sinister Waltz isn't that much of an improvement because like, oops, I put the Anarchist on the bottom of my library. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it it just seems like it's not quite what I've been looking for. Like, this looks like the kind of card that some people are going to have a lot of fun with. That they like the random aspect. They're playing a Rakdos 2.0, and their deck is just full of huge things. And they got board wiped, and oh, well, now I got a big robot and Eldrazi, and the third one goes to the bottom. Like that seems fine. That seems whatever. But it seems like I would want to be able to control it more than the card is letting me. And that's kind of a bummer. So mm-hmm. um, this is definitely one that I want uh, other listeners to le- let us know how they feel about too, because um, there's honestly not too many options for like mass reanimate or like multiple target reanimate. And I want to see how everyone feels about it. <laughs> I feel like I'm not that high on it, but maybe that could change. Maybe someone could convince me otherwise yeah we'll we'll see how it goes maybe hmm. i'm trying to think if there's like a commander that naturally puts like a ton of creatures into your graveyard that are all like bangers in this color identity hmm. i know it's like if i was playing chainer 2.0 i would just play chainer 2.0 um i same with Olivia 3.0. Like, I would just attack with Olivia. <laughs> like, there's not a lot I can think of that just really wants this 
I'm, I might be missing something. I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it shapes out. Uh, I just don't, I'm certainly not expecting a lot of adoption on EDA track, but maybe that there are decks yeah. out there that end up wanting it. Yeah, maybe. We'll find out. But we did it, everyone. We're almost spoiler free. I'm assuming we're going to get another product before the year is over. Like <laughs> something, maybe it's only on Arena or something. But if you're listening to this, congratulations on uh, getting through even more spoilers very soon after the last ones. Hopefully you're able to process the cards. We've been able to help you think about them a little bit, plan where you want to play them. Uh, well, you're about to have a two-month break before the next major release, so hopefully that's enough time to <laughs> digest all this. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, thank you for listening. And again, like I've said multiple times, but we do love hearing your feedback. We love hearing where you're playing cards, how cards play out for you, because your playgroups are a lot different than ours, and uh, I don't get to play at shops as much as I used to due to a lot of different reasons. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I really appreciate that perspective. Before we go, just want to give a big thank you to Alex Whiteclay again for helping with uh, yes. all, pretty much everything this spoiler season. Really appreciate yes. your support. And thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Gustav, Ryan, Addison, Rick, Raphael, Kyle, Laser, Charlotte, the Whiteclays, Hannah, Andy, James, Logan, Roger, Evan, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jamie, Matthew, Jason, Kyle, Brandon, Kevin, Kaidel, Jeremy, Russell, Dylan, John, John, Micah, Troy, Roxanne, Brian, Charles, Daniel, Andrew, Leon, Jason, Paul, Johan, and Jonathan. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you're not currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. If any of you theorists want to get in touch with us, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr, and Zach is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy you can check them out on SoundCloud. Until next time, we're going back to the drawing board.